All right, we are back for the week 13 preview with the Sporting Intelligence crew. I'm Ethan Weiss. I'm here with Pat Higgins. And Pat, I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I know I did. And uh, Devin Booker should be the NBA MVP. (laughs) Yeah, we took a little bit of a bye last week for the holiday, feeling nice and recharged. And I can't disagree with you. 51 points through three quarters last night. He's playing pretty well this year. The sporting intelligence crew won the buy, as as they're as as they've been saying uh, in the, in the national media. Um, but yeah, let, let's dive in here. Uh, reminder to all those listening out there to subscribe to the website sporting intelligencecom All of our matchup analysis dashboards will be free for the remainder of the season. So go get your hands on those. Um, get that information that that we use to analyze these games, go through the different matchups that week for each game, as well as uh, the player stats dashboards, which show mismatches um, for players against the respective defensive units um, that you can use to beat the books and player props. You can use to beat uh, your buddies in fantasy football. You can use to beat um, those out there in the daily fantasy community as well. Uh, so go jump on that. Also, uh, subscribe to our weekly newsletter, uh, which is released every Friday morning, contains data visualizations and uh, matchup analysis for that week across the league. And follow us on Twitter at sport, I-N-T-E-L-L-G-N-C-E. You can find us by searching Sporting Intelligence. So go give us a follow. And Pat, let's dive in, as we always do, starting uh, with our flowers from week 12. Who are you giving flowers to, Pat? Yep, I'm giving flowers this week to Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence engineered a dramatic come-from-behind victory at home against the Ravens, finished the game 29-37 for 321 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, but most importantly, he engineered that final drive of the game where the Jags were able to drive down the field, overcome a fourth down, and Trevor Lawrence was just slinging the rock around the field on that final drive. Really, really impressive stuff. Um, Against the Ravens' defensive ranks second in our defensive efficiency ratings, he overcame a 19-10 deficit at the beginning of the fourth quarter and returned serve a couple different times over the course of the third and the fourth quarter against Lamar Jackson. And again, the, the, the reason that I'm giving the flowers to Trevor Lawrence is because I was sitting watching... Uh, you know, red zone on Sunday afternoon. And this this just felt like Trevor Lawrence sort of arrived on the scene. He just made a ton of really, really big time throws, namely the uh, the the throw that he made to Zay Jones in the corner to his right, where there was no hesitation. He turned to his right. He ripped it right over Marcus Peters. Zay Jones caught it, brought it down for a touchdown. Jags go to 27-26, and Doug Peterson at 4-7. and seven. Jags got nothing to lose. Go ahead, call, t- uh, call the two-point conversion. And Lawrence turns to his left and throws an absolute dot of a ball to uh, the pylon. Jags convert the second, or excuse me, the two-point conversion and win the game outright. So, um, again, I, I think we've been saying it all year, Ethan. I think that the Jags are a team that are and a franchise that are on the upswing. They have a new coach, young quarterback, and I think there's a lot of energy in that locker room. And it was just really great to see Trevor Lawrence again, who is objectively looks like a generational talent, really just come into his own in his second season in the league. Yeah, it was an exciting week, and and this was an exciting game. I heard someone else say that this was Trevor Lawrence's Heisman moment um, of his sophomore season. I liked that one. Um, but yeah, he, he was impressive. And, you know, in a weekend where there were two games that, that, you know, were won on a two point conversion late, we don't need to talk about the other game. Um, you know, 
we can ignore that one. Uh, Cardinals are dead. Uh, shout out Cliff Kingsbury. Um, but yeah, Lawrence was impressive. It's good to see him, um, you know, performing well. Um, because there's another guy who got drafted right behind him um, named Zach Wilson, who was not playing very well. And, oh, what a great transition into my flowers, which are going to Mr. Mike White, who took that man's place, went for 22 of 28 for 315 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, an absolute masterclass from Mike White. Um, there's a like not a small amount of pressure on Mike white in this game. Uh, you know, as I just mentioned, Zach Wilson, number two overall pick just a year ago being benched, um, for being terrible for, you know, letting down the defense as some may say, um, and Mike white delivered, he stepped up, uh, a dominant 31, 10 victory for the jets. And he looked pretty unstoppable for, for the most part. Um, I want to give props to, um, Robert Sala here, um, at home bears defense. This is a great spot to put in a quarterback and, and kind of, even if there is pressure, um, that defense stinks to say the least. So it's a good spot to put in a new quarterback, um, extremely impressive performance keeps the jets right in the thick of the playoff hunt. Um, and you know, with that defense that they got going out there, which looks pretty damn good. Um, nice to see Mike white have a day. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if, you know, for those of you guys who have been listening to the show all year, I think Ethan and I have both been pretty bullish on the Jets for a number of different reasons. I think we went from the the stage of are the Jets good to maybe the Jets are good to now with Zach Wilson sort of in, you know, on the bench and Mike White in in the starter position, the Jets might be good. They're they're 7 and 4, they're right in the middle of the playoff picture and to your point Ethan, it was great to see Mike White go in and make the most of that opportunity. We're going to get to the uh, the Vikings matchup later in the show, but I agree. I, I was very excited as, you know, I, neither of us are Jets fans. Neither of us even have a team in the AFC East to be rooting against the Jets, but they're just a good story, really good defense. Again, similar to the Jags, good young team that they're, they're hard to root against for sure. Yeah, I'd like to give a, a your welcome to all Jets fans out there. You know, Robert Sala, loyal listener of the show. Um, a few weeks ago, I did absolutely bash the Jets and declare their season over. And, and you know, I think he heard that. Bench Zach Wilson, season's back on. Um, and the Jets look good. So uh, bulletin board that material. is, yeah, bulletin board material. Um, and, you know, why don't we, you know, as we roll this into the Week 13 preview, why don't we just roll it on with the Jets talk here? Um, the Jets taking on the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. Minnesota three-point favorites at home over under 44 and a half. Um, Vikings sitting in nine and two, leading their division by, um, I believe I heard a stat that uh, no team ever in the history of the NFL has blown a division lead as big as the Vikings have currently. Um, as a Vikings NFC North champion better, I may regret giving that stat out on this podcast. However, here we are. Um, new look Jets, Mike White. Um, going on the road for his, uh, I guess I don't know if he started a game on the road last year, but it is his first road start of this season. Uh, we got Minnesota ranking 16th in offensive efficiency, 22nd in defensive efficiency, New York Jets 24th in offensive efficiency, 9th in defensive efficiency, as we did just talk about um, that Jets defense a bit. Uh, this may be another time for Mike White to get his flowers against another um, horrendous Minnesota Vikings pass defense that ranks dead last 32nd in pass yards per game allowed yards per attempt allowed and explosive pass plays allowed. They also rank 30th in yards per play allowed overall. The Jets offense hasn't been 
you know, statistically the best. However, um, that was a lot with Zach Wilson. They did average just 219 pass yards per game under Mr. Zach Wilson. Mike White came out last week and threw for 315. Um, obviously, small sample size, but uh, can't get much worse. Um, obviously, the more intriguing side of, of this matchup is the Minnesota offense uh, versus the Jets. Uh, top 10 defense, as we just mentioned, Minnesota does have one of uh, the best passing attacks in the league, uh, highlighted by one of the best receivers in the league, and Mr. Justin Jefferson. Uh, Minnesota offense ranking seventh in pass yards per game. Uh, they do rank just 25th in rush yards per game. Uh, not, not a lot of uh, of rushes for the Minnesota offense. Uh, they do rank ninth in percentage of their drives reaching the red zone, moving the ball pretty efficiently overall. However, they do allow uh, Kirk Cousins to get hit back there, ranking 30th in quarterback hits allowed per game. Uh, that will be a tough matchup against this Jets defensive line. Jets defense is great on paper, fifth in yards per play allowed, fifth in percent of, of, of opponent drives reaching the red zone, uh, third in quarterback hits per game, seventh in sacks per game, as I mentioned, a great D-line. However, this Jets defense has had the advantage of playing the Denver offense, which ranks 31st in offensive efficiency, Pittsburgh, which ranks 27th, New England twice, they rank 29th in offensive efficiency, and Miami, who, oh, you might be saying that's a top five offense, yes, but without Tua Tagovailoa, um, they were, you know, afforded the opportunity to face off against a combination of Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater. Um, Minnesota is the third highest pass rate in the NFL. Uh, the New York Jets rank ninth in pass yards per game allowed, fifth in yards per play allowed, fifth in explosive pass plays allowed. So a very intriguing matchup on that side of the ball. Pat, where do you see advantages in this game? Uh, what do you like in this one here in Minnesota? Yeah, I think just looking generally at this slate of games this weekend, I think there's a lot of games that we're going to learn a lot from uh, from both teams on you know either side of the ball, and this is this is going to be one of the most in December a, a Jets you know potential playoff or a game with potential playoff implications is very surprising but very intriguing. So, uh, Ethan, you kind of just touched on it. The the Jets rank very high in a lot of our defensive metrics, but to your point, they've played against a lot of sort of um, not dynamic offenses. So I'm really intrigued to see how this defense performs against Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings offense that is, you know, by all things considered a top 10 offense in the league in 2022. I was digging on Justin Jefferson because I'm pretty intrigued if Sauce Gardner is going to be covering Justin Jefferson for majority of the game. And something that I was able to dig up was Justin Jefferson's performance against top 10 passing defense this season. They've played against the Vikings have played against three top 10 passing offenses this season. Those being the bears, the saints and the bills. And in each of those games, Justin Jefferson went for at least 140 yards and caught at least 10 balls. So against the Bears, he caught 12 balls on 13 targets for 154 yards. Against the Saints, he caught 10 balls on 13 targets for 147 yards. And against the Bills, he caught 10 balls on 16 targets for 193 yards. So logic would tell you that as Justin Jefferson is playing a more competitive passing defense, he's going to potentially underperform his season average. But actually, the opposite has happened. 
in the biggest games and in the biggest moments when the Vikings offense needs him to perform against high-performing passing defenses. Jefferson has risen to the occasion and outperformed season averages. So I'm really, really intrigued to see how Justin Jefferson is going to perform in this matchup at home against this Jets defense that we think is good. But again, you know, when you consider the roster of offenses that they've played on the season, it's it's still to be determined. So that, that that's that's the first thing that I'm really looking forward to. Ethan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, it, it just shows, you know, Jefferson is kind of that that big game guy. He gets up for, for theoretically the tough matchups, wants to show out there. I think it also speaks to um, how much Cousins really relies and trusts relies on and trusts Justin Jefferson. Um, you saw it a little bit last week on Thanksgiving against the Patriots. Late in that game, he was just looking his way um, seemingly every time and and completing it. And and Cousins made some great throws and Jefferson, I know, you know, is going to make great catches over and over again. And he is nearly impossible to stop. So I would never bet against him. Um, where I'm looking in this game is actually on the other side of the ball. Uh, with the Jets offense, uh, I have mentioned already the Vikings uh, with the dead last worst pass defense in the NFL, 32nd in just about every category um, in regards to passing. Um, I'm looking at Garrett Wilson here. I'm looking at Garrett Wilson over both for receiving yards and receptions. Um, I saw something probably expecting that yards prop around 60 and a half, uh, that re- receptions prop around four and a half. Um, we talked about Mike White and how he is a significant upgrade. Um, Garrett Wilson is averaging 57.7 yards on the season per game. Um, Most of that was with Zach Wilson. If you look at the games that were not without, that were not with Zach Wilson, uh, Garrett Wilson went for eight catches, 102 yards and six catches for 60 yards in two games with Joe Flacco under center. And last week with Mike White, he went for five catches for 95 yards. Um, Garrett Wilson is leading the Jets with 22.7% target share. That includes 28.6% last week. Eight targets out of 28 attempts for White. Looked Garrett Wilson's way a lot. Uh, Found him for an explosive play as well. An explosive touchdown there in the second half. I'm looking at Garrett Wilson to have a big day against, you know, frankly, a horrendous Minnesota secondary. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think that their secondary is extremely suspect and is going to be one of their big Achilles heels as they enter the stretch run. So to sort of segue into a couple other things that I like in this game, I'm leaning to the over at 44.5. I think that this total is very, very influenced by Zach Wilf's, Wilson's awful play at the quarterback position throughout the course of 2022. I think, as you saw last week, against you know sort of a subpar Bears defense that emptied the cupboard, getting rid of Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn, uh, Mike White gave this offense a big jolt of energy, and you know he he gave the ball to their best receiver in Garrett Wilson. I think that at forty four and a half, I think you have an offense with Mike White at the helm that has a lot of potential, and I think you have an offense on the other side of the ball in the Vikings that, that obviously has a lot of potential to uh, to have a really strong day. And then when you couple that with the fact that Minnesota has a pretty suspect passing defense, and you know the Jets have a good defense, but like we said earlier, it's it's against. You know, their their defensive rankings are influenced by performances against bottom 10 and bottom five offenses. I think 44 and a half is a good number to uh, to go over on for sure. Yeah, 
I would also agree. I would lean over. This is probably a stay away for me just because of kind of the uncertainty, you know, small sample size with Mike White. Obviously it is, um, you know, a horrible Minnesota pass defense. And if there is a spot where he could get them, it's probably here. Um, I am, I'm going to stay away from this one more so on the other side um, with the jets. Uh, I, I get scared here of the jets pass rush um, against the Minnesota, you know, offensive line that hasn't been, um, you know, great to say the least. Um, and, and, you know, if those guys on the jets can, can get going, I think they can really blow some of that stuff that Minnesota wants to do, um, you know, right up. So I'm going to stay away, but I, I agree with that, that lean towards the over. Um, but, uh, you know, that's enough jets talk for me, um, for today. Let's move on, um, to, Another game that I find very intriguing. Uh, this one will be played in your backyard, Pat, um, here with your Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Tennessee Titans coming to town, facing the Eagles. Philadelphia, five-point favorites at home, over under 44.5 again, same as the last game. Um, Tennessee coming off of, you know, a, a, a tough loss to Cincinnati at home. Um, it shouldn't matter too much playoff-wise. Uh, Tennessee's got a big division lead over Indianapolis and Jacksonville, who stink. Um Philadelphia coming off a bounce back performance, putting up 40 against the Packers uh, Sunday night football win after two, you know, uh, shaky weeks, losing to Washington and barely squeaking out a win against Jeff Saturday and the Colts Philly coming in at third in offensive efficiency, first in defensive efficiency, uh, Tennessee 12th in offensive efficiency, fourth in defensive efficiency, definitely two of the better teams thus far statistically in the NFL. Um, the Eagles offense has been absolutely dominant sixth in yards per play seventh in percentage of their drives reaching the red zone. They have uh, taken the top spot in the NFL in red zone touchdown percentage, and they do feature an elite rushing offense that is second in rush yards per game and eighth in yards per carry. Uh, the Tennessee defense is also uh, very good top five, as I mentioned, fourth in, uh, in defensive efficiency. They do rank first in third down percentage allowed seventh in red zone touchdown per percentage allowed, and they do have a great run defense, third in rush yards per game allowed and third in yards per carry allowed. Um, something has to give there between the Eagles elite rushing offense and the Tennessee elite rushing defense. Um, the Titans offense relies very, very heavily on Derrick Henry and the rush game. Uh, they are 12th in rush yards per game. However, they are just 22nd yards per carry um, does speak to how committed Tennessee is to the run. Um, and feeding their their workhorse back, Derrick Henry. Uh, they do rank 29th in pass yards per game, not good. 26th in third down percentage. However, they are fifth in red zone touchdown percentage. This really has been their offensive savior all year long, has been their efficiency in the red zone. Derrick Henry, a big part of that. The Eagles defense also elite in just about, um, you know, every uh, which way you can break it down. They are second in yards per play allowed, third in sacks per game, first in passing yards per attempt allowed. However, the Eagles defense has shown a weakness against the run 18th and rush yards per game allowed and 20th in yards per carry. Um, the Washington commanders of all teams provided the blueprint for beating the Eagles, which was running the ball, committing to that, that run spying, spying Jalen hurts on defense, not allowing him to uh, scramble around outside of the pocket and, and limiting his ability to use his legs. Uh, he did rush for just 28 yards against Washington in that loss. The Eagles only loss of the season. Uh, um, looking at Mike Vrabel here, um, known for great game planning, one of the Bill Belichick uh, coaching disciples. Um, it'll be interesting to see his game plan 
um, looking to see if he can implement a winning game plan against one of the top teams in the NFL and most likely um, the NFC's top seed in the playoffs, at least as of now. Pat, your Eagles got a tough matchup here. What what do you like here? Yeah, Eagles coming into this game at 10-1. and one. Looks like they righted the ship a little bit last week on Sunday Night Football against the Packers, but I'm worried about this game. I think that this is going to be uh, you know, another one of those games this weekend of, you know, matching two playoff teams up and it's going to be physical. And I'm worried that the Titans have the formula to beat the Eagles. If you look to your point, Ethan, uh, how the, the commanders were able to sort of just dominate the time of possession against the Eagles a few weeks ago on Monday Night Football, committing to the run. I think that the the Titans have the the recipe to do just that with Derrick Henry and their commitment to the run on the entire year. So, I'm worried about that, and I think that Derrick Henry is likely going to have a really big game against uh, an Eagles interior line that is really, really missing Jordan Davis. He was activated off, or he's in that 21-day activation window, so he should be back before the end of the season. But right now, they're riding with Adamakun Su and Linval Joseph, who are new to the locker room as of like 10 days ago. And, you know, as you saw on Monday, or excuse me, on Sunday Night Football against the Packers, uh, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones were really able to move the ball uh, in chunks on, on the ground against this defense. So I'm worried, and I, I think that you will agree with this, but I think the Titans and the points are the play in this game. I think it's yep. going to be a matchup of two super physical teams, and the Titans look like they have the recipe. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. I really like the Titans in this spot. I, I don't think we are alone in that thought. This line has moved from an opening six out to five, I, I saw the other day, um, and probably... You know, I'm looking for a little late, late Eagles action there uh, to move that line back out to six and and I'll try to jump on Tennessee then. Um, But I'm betting on Mike Vrabel. I I think that they, you know, have shown the propensity to implement these very specific, um, you know, run heavy schemes. Uh, They use it against the Chiefs a few weeks back in a primetime game in which they kept that game within one possession all night. Chiefs had to squeak out a victory, Um, but they have the best workhorse back in the NFL in Derrick Henry. He is built for schemes like this where they just run, run, run. The Eagles have, um, you know, not, not been good against the run as, as I talked about, and and it's been the weakness and it's, it's been the way to, Uh, compete with the Eagles thus far. And I think that plays right into the Titans hands. I think that if they force Jalen hurts to beat them through the air, I think that this game can definitely stay within one score throughout um, and, and be a field goal type game. Um, You know, Jalen hurts feasts a lot on what they're able to do on the ground game. Um, as I mentioned, one of the best rushing attacks in the league, and that's really opened up a lot of play action, a lot of RPO for Jalen hurts. And I think that if the Titans are able to take that away, um, with their, you know, very good rush defense, I think that that can really, again, play into the Titans hands here. Yeah. I think the book on the Eagles is that, you know, over the last two seasons, they're, they're a run first team and they use the run to really set up play action in the passing game. And, I, I think they're, you know, relative to the matchup they had on Sunday night against the Packers rushing defense, which is bottom 10 in the league. I think it's going to be a, a totally different matchup against the Titans rushing defense that ranks in the top five in the league in rush yards per game allowed. So 
I, I think we're on the same page as far as the game script and how this game's going to play out, and I think that this is going to be a very telling game for Jalen Hurts. Granted, he has the Eagles at a 10-1 and record, you know, number one seed in the NFC, but this is going to be a, a sort of prove-it matchup where if they take away, you know, your bread and butter, can, can you play left-handed? Can Jalen Hurts, you know, really dominate the game in the passing game? I, I think that he's equipped with the weapons to be able to do that, but I, I think... I don't think there's any reason to think that the Titans won't lead at certain points in this game and keep this game within one pres- one possession, you know, all afternoon. Yeah, lots of Jalen Hurts MVP talk. I think this is a spot where he can really go out there and and show it and uh, you know have one of those games that we look back in on a what could be a really historic Eagles season and and think, wow, that that was uh, you know when Hurts really really showed himself. Um, in the props department, I think we're both on the same page here. Looking Derek Henry. I like his rush yards. I like rush attempts. I think if this game plan goes how we think it will, um, and, and the Titans, you know, it's that time of year, it's cold weather. It's Derek Henry tractor Cedo season. Um, you know, I think they're going to feed him. I like rush attempts, rush yards. I like any time touchdown for him. Um, that's been, you know, cash all year. So I think we are very much on the same page on this one going to be very exciting this whole slate in general this this sunday is extremely exciting and i want to move on to what is my personal favorite game of the week that is the miami dolphins heading out to levi stadium to face the san francisco 49ers san francisco four point favorites over under 46 and a half um this is an elite miami offense um battling it out with you know what some are saying is an elite san francisco defense and i think we're really going to find out um, which of these units are, are really for real. Um, and we're going to learn, like you mentioned, we're going to learn a lot about these two teams, uh, both, you know, vying and hoping for, uh, some deep playoff runs this year, uh, San Francisco coming in ninth in offensive efficiency, 11th in defensive efficiency, Miami fifth in offensive efficiency. And that is including games with Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater at the helm, uh, just 28th in defensive efficiency. However, um, the Miami offense, as I mentioned, uh, features one of the best passing attacks in the NFL, if not the best. Um, third in yards per play, second in pass yards per game, first in pass yards per attempt and explosive pass plays. Um, obviously, a lot of that has to do with the explosiveness of, of Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. Um, they are sixth in red zone touchdown percentage. However, they do not feature a great rushing attack, just 28th in, in rush yards per game, 24th in yards per carry. Now, they're not very committed to the run, so that, that volume could... Um, you know, explain that uh, San Francisco defense first best in the NFL in yards per play allowed third in percentage of opponents drive that, that reached the red zone eighth in sacks per game. They are elite against the run first in rush yards per game allowed first in yards per carry allowed first in explosive rushes allowed this season. Obviously Miami is not necessarily um, the offense to combat that, um, that advantage for the Niners. The other side of the ball probably significantly favors the San Francisco offense who ranked fifth in yards per play, sixth in third down conversion percentage and fifth in sacks allowed per game. The Miami defense, there's no way around it. They've been bad. Um, 23rd in third down conversion percentage allowed 29th third worst in the league and allowing their opponents to score touchdowns on their trips to the red zone. 10th in rush yards per game allowed. This probably has a lot to do with them, you know, having leads in a lot of these games Um, while they are 10th in rush yards per game. They are 18th in yards per carry. So uh, maybe, you know, some effectiveness um, can be gained running the ball against this team. Uh, You know, if, if you can keep them behind and and can run the ball. 
Um, Miami offense last four has faced Houston ranked 21st in defensive efficiency, Cleveland 27th in defensive efficiency, Chicago 31st and Detroit 32nd. So not exactly uh, a gauntlet of defenses faced by Miami. However, on the other side, San Francisco has also not necessarily faced a gauntlet of offenses. Um, The last four San Francisco has faced are the saints who rank 19th in offensive efficiency. Uh, The Cardinals, who ranked 26th in offensive efficiency and the San Francisco 49ers got to face um, the Cardinals with Colt McCoy at the helm and not Kyler Murray. The Chargers, who have been significantly underperforming at 15th in offensive efficiency and the Rams, who have been on their Super Bowl hangover um, quite longer than most expected and ranked 22nd in offensive efficiency. This is a very intriguing matchup of two teams with hopes of deep playoff runs. It is the Mike McDaniels revenge game. Pat, what do you like here? Yeah, I think we talked about it earlier. There's there's so many good matchups on the slate this weekend, and I think this is the matchup that I am personally most excited about because I, I just think there's going to be a lot of questions that are you know sort of answered on both sides of the ball. I think everyone sort of agrees that San Fran is one of the best teams in the NFC partially or, you know, largely due, largely due to the performance of their defense. How are they going to perform? You know, you touched on it, Ethan, the the last four weeks they've played, you know, subpar below average and, you know, significantly underperforming offenses. How are they going to perform against this Miami Dolphins passing attack? It just feels like the way that the Dolphins are playing this year, there's, maybe just not a defense that can stop these two guys. They just have a cheat code. They have two of the fastest guys in the league. And if you can protect two long enough in the pocket, you can't cover Tyree kill for more than three seconds. He's just too fast. He's too elusive. And if Tua can find him in open space, he's going to be able to rack up that yards after the catch. So I'm really, really excited to see how Miami performs against this, you know, top five, top three San Francisco defense. And, you know, more importantly, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how Miami is going to perform on the road. So I ran the numbers last night to look and see, you know, what each team's point differentials are, you know, between playing at home and playing on the road. And Miami has a very, very significant advantage playing at home, playing in that Miami humidity in the early parts of the season in September and October. They're 13 points better at home than they are on the road. So uh, I think this is going to be very telling for the Dolphins. I think I think we both believe in Mike McDaniels and this Dolphins passing attack, but it's going to be very telling and very interesting to see how they perform on the road against the top five defense that you know has done a really good job shutting down a lot of really good offenses over the course of this season yeah I I'm really leaning Dolphins plus the points here I think more than a field goal is a lot in this spot Dolphins getting four points I'm totally buying into the the McDaniels hype Um, I think what he's doing there is awesome and this may be the Twitter propaganda videos of him just being funny on the sideline it seems like those guys really like him and I think they're going to be up um, and hyped up and, and ready for, um, you know, for, for this game, for him, uh, for McDaniels coming back to San Francisco. Um, and I, I think they're going to be ready. However, I really love the over in this game. I, I think that Miami's offense is elite. I think they're going to be able to score. I, I don't know if there's a defense in the league who can stop Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, like you mentioned, Miami runs the ball at the ninth lowest rate in the NFL. They know their strengths and they're not afraid to come out there and sling it against you. I think it's going to be a fast paced offensive plan for Miami. Um, 
I, I will say if there's a defensive line who can stop them, it's probably the San Francisco D line. Uh, Nick Bosa is an absolute beast. Um, but I, I really think this, you know, I think this comes down to, I think the Niners can also score in this game. The Miami's defense stinks. They brought on new weapons. They got McCaffrey now. Ayuk's looked amazing. Jimmy G is is what he is, but he's very much good enough to move the ball down the field and score touchdowns. Um, I, you know, I think that there's going to be a lot of points in this game. Miami has faced top defenses this year. Um, they face New England, who are, who ranks sixth in defensive efficiency. They put up 20 against them. They face Baltimore, who we have at second, and I know they have a weak passing defense. Probably doesn't favor them much against the Dolphins. However, the Dolphins put up 42 against them. They face Buffalo, who ranked third in defensive efficiency, scored 21 points against Buffalo. Face Cincinnati, who scored eighth. Uh, who rank eighth in defensive efficiency. They only scored 15, but Tua only played about half that game. That was, you know, a scary Tua incident during that one. Um, San Francisco has only faced one top offense this year. They faced the Kansas City Chiefs, who I know are in a different stratosphere. I don't really want to put the Dolphins on their level. However, the Dolphins are as close as you can get to an elite passing offense right now, I think, as you can get to the Chiefs. Um, and they San Francisco gave up 44 to the Chiefs. I think there are going to be touchdowns in this game. And I, I like the over in this spot. Yeah, I totally agree with you as well. I think it's, you know, the way Miami operates their offense, their their pass, 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 pass. And how does that work in, in terms of the flow of the game? It's, you know, either they're going to run a bunch of expo- explosive plays and, you know, run some sort of drive where it's like five plays, 75 yards, touchdown in two minutes, or they're going to go three and out and, you know, San Francisco gets the ball. And when San Francisco gets the ball, again, you touched on it, uh, you know, a little bit ago, I, I think Miami has a really, really subpar defense and San Fran knows exactly who they are. They're, they're, they have a really creative coach in Kyle Shanahan on the offensive side of the ball and they should have no problem moving the ball the way they want to move the ball when they have the ball. So I agree. I think that there's advantages to, you know, San Fran on the offensive side of the ball. And if, if San Fran can't slow down Miami on the defensive side of the ball, I think to your point, there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of points in this as well. So I think we're both in agreement here on the over in this one at 46 and a half is that where it's yeah. sitting right now on Thursday night? Yeah, I think we're both in agreement on, on the over in this game. But really, really looking forward to this one. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. I'm, I'm really happy the Cardinals aren't playing this week, um, not only because I don't have to watch them implode on national TV, but um, not only is that Miami-San Francisco game in the afternoon slate, but a rematch of last year's AFC championship game, the Kansas city chiefs heading to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals, Kansas city road favorites at minus two and a half over under 52 and a half. Um, the last time these teams met the Bengals overcame a sizable second half deficit, beat the chiefs in overtime and advanced to the super bowl. The chiefs currently sitting atop of the AFC standings yet again, the Bengals coming off a big win in Tennessee on the road. Um, to pull even with the Baltimore Ravens atop the AFC North Cincinnati ranking first in offensive efficiency, eighth in defensive efficiency. They do overtake Kansas city in our rankings um, for first in offensive efficiency after a poor red zone performance for the chiefs against the Rams last week, Kansas city does rank second in offensive efficiency. However, I do think that many of us would consider them the best offense in the league. 
Uh, however, the Chiefs rank 24th in defensive efficiency. I expect fireworks in this one. Um, two of the best passing offenses in the NFL. Cincinnati ranking third in pass yards per game, fourth in explosive pass plays, second in red zone touchdown percentage, and the return of one Jamar Chase coming back this week from injury for the Bengals. Kansas City, led by Mr. Patrick Mahomes, as we know, um, they rank first in pass yards per game, first in third down conversion percentage, first in percentage of their drives reaching the red zone, and seventh in red zone touchdown percentage after a lackluster performance last week against the Los Angeles Rams, where it looked like they were kind of playing with their food. Cincinnati does have a solid defense, although they don't necessarily match up well against this Chiefs offense. They do rank ninth in yards per carry allowed and sixth in red zone touchdown percentage allowed. However, they to rank just 14th middle of the pack in pass yards per game allowed and 28th in sacks per game. Not necessarily the best recipe to take on Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs defense has been gettable, however, on the other side of the ball, 23rd in pass yards per game allowed, 5th in rush yards per game allowed, um, which seems good at surface level. However, they do rank 16th in yards per carry, similar to the Dolphins. This probably indicates that that lack of volume is simply due to game script and how the Chiefs typically have a lead during a lot of these games. The Chiefs do rank 32nd dead last in the NFL in allowing their opponents to score touchdowns when they reach the red zone. But the Chiefs uh, do have some bright spots on their defense, fifth in sacks per game, ninth in quarterback hits per game. The defensive line has come alive. Um, you know, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, doing their job up front for the Kansas city defense. Uh, and as we know, as we've talked about a lot, Cincinnati's offensive line, not necessarily the best in the league, allowing the 28th. Um, well, I guess 28th, they are in sacks allowed per game, allowing the fourth most um, this, you know, should be one of the most exciting matchups of the week, potentially this season just uh, thus far chiefs revenge game. Pat, what do you like here? Yeah, I think I think this is chalky in public, and I think if you listen to you know anybody across the national media uh, over the course of this week, I, I think this is an over game. I think it's a don't overthink it, take the over. You know, don't step in front of the train of the the two most efficient offenses in the league by our ratings, and I think by anybody's ratings. You know, whatever way you try to skin the cat in terms of rating offenses, I think you have two of the, you know, top five offenses in the league. And I think it's going to be a battle back and forth, uh, you know, just returning serve. Jamar Chase coming back for the Bengals is going to be huge. Uh, the Bengals have played very well in his absence over the last month or so, and getting him back is only going to be an accelerant for that Bengals offense. And then, uh, again, to your point on the other side of the ball, I think the the Chiefs are, you know, have been a highly efficient offense all season against the San Fran defense that we were just gassing up. They put 44 points on the board, on the road. You know, don't overthink it. Don't step in front of the train. Don't try to get cute. Take the under, 52 and a half. Let's go over. And over, I think, over, over. Take oh, the over. Oh, over. Yeah. We got. I think we got a bunch of other angles to attack the over in, you know, props and sides. So, Ethan, why, why don't you dig into that? Yeah, props wise, I like um, passing yards on both sides of the ball. I expect both of these teams to, uh, you know, take advantage of their strengths, um, which is passing the ball. Patrick Mahomes. Uh, in his revenge game, as you mentioned, um, the over here, they scored a bunch of points in the first half and had plenty of chances in the second half of that AFC championship game where they couldn't, um, you know, couldn't convert. And, it, you know, 
If you think that the Chiefs forgot about that game already, I think you're very mistaken. I expect Mahomes to be at full power this weekend. Um, He has thrown for 320 or more yards in all of his last six games. That is six out of six, over 320 in his last six, Um, including two of those games going over 400 yards. I don't hate, um, you know, even some alternate passing yards props there against a Bengals passing defense that's middle of the pack. On the other side, I also like Burroughs over. Kansas City is not good defending the pass either. Burrow has gone for 270 or more yards in four of his last six. Uh, one of those two that he did not go over 270 was when they played the Panthers, and they absolutely blew the doors off of Carolina from start to finish. He only had 28 pass attempts in that game, which was his fewest of the season. Uh, it looks like also Joe Mixon may be trending towards playing, uh, but he also may still be out or at least limited in uh, terms of health. When they play P. Ryan, they like to throw the ball. Samaji, much better pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, in a weak Chiefs passing defense here, provides a great matchup and opportunity for Burrow to sling it as well. I like props, passing yards over for both of these quarterbacks this weekend. Yep, and if you just think about the the game script for, you know, both of these teams, these teams love to pass the ball and against, you know, on the other side of the ball, if you're the if you're the Bengals and the Chiefs come out, you know, starting hot, firing, you know, in the passing attack, what are you going to do when you're trying to return serve? I don't see the Bengals trying to, you know, run some sort of 12 play 75-yard drive where you're feeding Mixon against a Kansas City defense that has performed well against the rush. Granted those numbers again to your point Ethan may be influenced by the fact that, you know, Kansas City's opponents are consistently playing from behind, but that's what happens when you play against the Chiefs. The Chiefs put the, you know, they put points on the board in in, you know, in large you know quantity and you know early and often and so I don't see a script where the Bengals really try to run the ball and slow the game down and the Chiefs are who they are they love to pass the ball they know who they are and so again you know let's not beat a dead horse here but I I think that you know the over is correlated with um, both of these quarterbacks in terms of their passing yards overs as well I think it's going to be a very very exciting game and it, it's it's great. It's you know I'm I'm really really excited about Sunday. You know just with these four games that we've talked about, I think there's a lot of other good games on the docket. But I think each of these four games that we talked about are featuring playoff teams going head to head, and I think we're going to learn a lot about a lot of different teams as we enter the stretch run coming into December week 13 of this season. Yeah, it's going to be a real exciting weekend, Pat. I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's December. It's football weather. It's time to, uh, you know, get to the closing stretch of this season and, and uh, see, you know, get, get to where the money is made. Um, or another quick reminder, sporting-intelligence.com. Dashboards will be up and free for the remainder of the season. So go get your hands on all of these great stats, matchup analysis, dashboards, and, uh, you know, take advantage of that for the fantasy playoffs. Uh, beat the books here as we come to year's end. Uh, one last shout out to Josh Spencer and Ethan Green. Go Hoosiers. See you in Vegas. Uh, Till next time, Pat. Yeah, let's let's hope the uh, the Cardinals can win the bye this week. <laughs>